following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. They'll know you've arrived when you drive up in the 1958 Edsel, the car that's truly new from nameplate to taillights. Now your host, Walt Disney. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to that tip-top terrific and splendidly prolific waltz down memory lane, the Mid-Modcast. And here are your Mid-Modcasters, Craig, Paula, and Dave. Hey, thank you, Alan Marsh, for that wonderful introduction <laughs> that you give us every time on the Mid-Modcast. I'm Craig. Who are you people? I'm Paula. Dave here from St. Louis. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> Got your tractor out Maybe. there, Dave? <laughs> he is wearing a plaid shirt. Though. I am. It's a flannel shirt a flannel. because it is. Uh, it is chilly here in the Louvre today. Yeah, like downright cold, actually. Yeah, well, that's going to catch up to us tomorrow. So probably we, we've had yes. balmy weather in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio today. About uh, oh, was it was it 50, so, 55? Yeah, it was like in that. the fifties. It was a rainy. beautiful. Well, interestingly, it's in the 20s here right now, but yesterday it was 65. Yes. Oh, nice. here we are it's, talking it's about the weather. Yeah. This and, is riveting. You know, by the time yeah. that I <laughs> by the time that I actually get this podcast mixed enough, it'll probably be the middle of July or something because I've been so negligent lately. He's the this. worst. Dude, you've also been really really busy too. Yeah. And, and hopefully busy. our fans are patient and yes. you know, yeah. they'll continue to he, follow us. Yes, he gave me another cold. <laughs> so so that was oh, fun. On top of on top of everything that I've got going on, I'm now also a Cleveland police chaplain and I I responded, oh, I don't know if right, I told you this Paul, right. I responded to a uh, carjacking yesterday. What? So that was exciting. Yeah. He tells so, our listeners wow. before his own yeah. life. Yeah, well, I just talked to the cops and the poor gal that got carjacked was in one of the police cars talking to her husband on the phone. So I didn't even get to talk to her, but yeah, terrible. But uh, hey, the big streets of the big city. (laughs) The The things that your mid-modcasters do in real life. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) anyhow, uh, let's see. If you want to contact us, email us at uh, midmodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, midmodcast. Uh. What else are we on, Paula? We're on uh, um, Instagram. Insta. Mid-modcast. Twitter, 216 You better say that slow. 216-309-2204. You can yeah, call you, us. Leave a message. Leave a memory. Or as Dave would say in St. Louis, 2204. Far, two two zero. I I don't say Dave that. Would Dave would not say St. Louisans that. do. Dave Dave um, is not a good St. Louis in that way. We we need to get uh, some jingle singers to record our phone number like that Empire Ooh, Carpet. We do. Any jingle singers, that, listeners, yeah. please call the hotline. Yeah. Tell us. And you know what else we need jingle singers for? The topic of our show today is time capsule, and we need to get. Jingle singers to do oh. 1962 or yeah, something like something, that. Time something capsule. Like that. 
Or, I don't know. We'll, we'll have choir practice before next show. Or maybe I can do one of those apps on my phone where you're doing different oh, parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, together. yeah. I have done rounds yeah. for my well, students. Well, you, so. you can get your fellow music Stack teachers to. voice singing the different parts. Yeah. Yeah, man. Do that. Oh, Dave, you're making all sorts of gassy sounds on your <laughs> and on, oh, on the oh, Skype. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, or not Skype, but Zoom, Zoom. whatever it is. Zoom. Okay. So, speaking of which, today we are speaking about 1962, and what would be more appropriate than this? Oh no! Va 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 boom! I'm not dancing to that one. <laughs> Okay, so if you didn't know it, like me, I had no idea. This was in the top ten. This was actually number five for 1962. That's unbelievable. Isn't it crazy? Man. And I was just thinking you can't dance to it, but apparently you can. You can dance to it, yeah. You just uh, can't do it fully clothed, I guess. That's, That's just weird. <laughs> but we're going to talk all about 1962, and I am launching in with a little bit of an overview. 1962, Vincent D'Onofrio is born. Not the Ooh. actor, but my brother. Oh, your brother. So, so there's <laughs> that. <laughs> the average cost of a new house in 1962. Any ideas? Dave? Like 12000 Ooh, 12500 Very good. good what? Average wow. income per year, $5,556. A gallon of gas. Not $5. No. 28 cents. Oh, 28 cents. Right, yes. Average cost of a new car was $3,125. You could get a Scout. You, you, you know our friend Steve with his, you know, his Scout. His, yes, his Scout. Uh, 19, early 70s. Uh, Four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. It was one of the first uh, off-road type vehicles like that, I guess. Uh, you could get that for about $2,600, if I remember reading that right. Dozen eggs, 32 cents. Uh, yearly inflation rate in the USA. Any guesses? It's post-war. Very low. 1.2%. 1.2. The Dow Jones hit, closed the year at 652. Which I invested then. 90% of all households own a television set. Tuition for Harvard University. Anyone want to take a stab? Harvard mm-hmm. University. Four thousand. Harvard. Dave says four. I'm going to say two. Fifteen hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, right. Wow, you're close. You you came close to for the your, actual retail price for your Harvard uh, education. I still went over. Right. Uh, just so you know, in Lancaster, Lancaster, Ohio, you could buy a three bedroom house with a stocked pond on twenty acres with a barn for thirty seven hundred dollars. What? In Sal's Salisbury, Maryland, a much more tawny neighborhood, a ranch style three bedroom home. <laughs> With a large modern kitchen, of course, in 1962, it better be modern, uh, with a living room, carport, utility room, large 100 foot by 150 foot plot, 14500 That's a little pricey, but that is Sheboygan, pricey. Wisconsin, 30 acre ar- uh, farm with a five bedroom home, four car garage, and outbuildings for twelve grand. So uh, I would say wow. when we get our time machine, we should go back and buy some <laughs> real estate. That's <laughs> yes. I, I like how you use that word tawny. Tawny, I, I yes. I only know it to describe port. Well, that's a, fi- a fine, 
fine color report, too, I guess you could say. Uh, Let's see here. Pop culture, 1962. A new band called the Beatles were turned down by Decca Records. Much to their chagrin, I think. Oh, Decca. Right? But but they did manage to release a single called Love Me Do, which we all know very well. In Los Angeles, there was a creepy guy named Andy Warhol who (laughs) uh, released his first art exhibit featuring a painting with a whole bunch of Campbell's soup cans on it with various flavors. Uh, That became pop art rather uh, famous. uh, Wow, that was 62. I didn't think it was that early. That's right. Beverly Hillbillies are on TV. So is the (laughs) Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, Walter Cronkite takes over the CBS News desk as the anchor. Ah. The Jetsons become the first color yes. television program. Oh, and yeah. this fella named Johnny Carson becomes the host of The Tonight Show. Paul is going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. Paula, speaking of what you're going to talk about, why don't you jump in here with a little bit of uh, some lingo from the days? All right. Little boxes made of ticky-tacky little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes all the same. Ticky-tacky. There's a pink one. I'm just going to turn this down, let you know. Malvina this Reynolds. song gets sing. stuck in your head. I know. <laughs> Ticky Tacky, Melvina Reynolds' song, Little Boxes, pokes fun at the shoddy materials and dreary sameness of housing in the suburbs. Pete Seeger's later version will make the song an anthem for nonconformity. Ticky Tacky. I got to use that word more often. Hopefully not sing that song 20 times tomorrow because I've heard it, but I probably will. You can teach it to your kids. Have them singing Little Boxes. Um, Baggies. Colgate, Palmolive test markets clear plastic bags, which keeps Junior's PB&Js fresher than wax paper bags do. It just seems like it kind of blows my mind that baggies only came about in 1962. I mean, I can't imagine my life without my little baggies and using wax paper. Wow. Right. And Paula, it's interesting, you know, as I've mentioned on the show before, we we play we always play this game called you were rich if oh right so my my family always had you know the baggie where you like tucked the little flap in you and fold. then you folded the portion over yes and then mine you could too. if you did it right you could shake the bag and the sandwich would stay in there yep, mine too but if you had Ziploc bags, you were rich. That is a you know perfect what? example. I don't, I don't think the D'Onofrio house even had Ziploc bags. Until, oh, wow. Until really? probably the mid late 80s. If okay, not. so yeah, that's surprising. Yeah. Well, but they're so ubiquitous. Maybe they now, were the but... big ones. I yes. <laughs> when did the Ziploc come along? That's a good question. Too. I don't know. Uh, that is a good question. Well, let us know, viewers. Okay, I'll look it up real quick while someone's talking. <laughs> the the Bossa Nova sax player of Stan Getz joins Brazilian musicians for a major concert at Carnegie Hall, yes. fueling America's love for the new jazz samba rhythm. Buckle up. Fastening a seatbelt is a no-brainer after Volvo gets a U.S. patent for one that secures the chest and the hips with a single click. Wow. Buckle up, folks. All right. When you guys were like 16, 18, 20 years old, did did you actually wear your seatbelts? Yes. Paul? Um, I don't remember. I don't think I did. You know, we've been wearing them for so long. I, It's hard to remember a time when we didn't. I, I know that I didn't uh, really? probably well into my 
when when did it become a law? That's that's the question. Yeah, Probably not until it became a law. I didn't really wear the seatbelt. Well, when I started driving and went through driver ed, it was like a thing. You know, you buckle your seatbelt, you go through the thing. With oh, mom you follow and the rules. Oh, and right, no, and right. not necessarily. I just that that's just what I did ever since I started driving myself. Maybe it's because I know my own driving skills. That's a good point. That's when yeah. I started to wear my seatbelt. Yeah, I refuse to get in a car with you without at least two airbags on my side. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. But I, I, I never wore them as before I started driving. I never wore a seatbelt. Um, heat shield. NASA and space junkies hold their breath when the protective barrier for Friendship 7 comes loose during reentry. Launch window. The best time for the Mercury, Mercury capsule Friendship 7 to take off for its orbit around the Earth, as calculated by NASA human computer Katherine Johnson. You'll be interested in this, Mr. Sound Guy. Yeah. Lavalier, lavalier microphone. Ah, the old lapel mic. Yeah, yeah. this wireless <laughs> transistophone. Wireless? Transistophone, yes, wow. wireless. Hangs from a cord around the neck to allow movement around a stage or set without losing sound quality. I don't think it was used a lot because when I watch recordings, people have got cords. Um, mini skirt inspired by street fashions, yes. London desire Mary Quant raises hemlines to several inches above the knee. Ooh la la. You like As it. As Dave Fritz would say. No. Wow. So 62, 62 for the mini skirt. Oh la la. Yeah, wow. <laughs> One liner. Nobody delivers a well timed witticism better than James Bond. His quips in Dr. No set the standard for post mortem <laughs> yes. drollery. Shocking. I actually uh, watched a video on YouTube today with all of Bond's lines from when he kills people. Oh, it was like all of those lines. That one you line. should post that on the... <laughs> he he, uh, he uh, shoots someone with a spear yeah. gun and he says, I think he got the point. It's like, <laughs> all right, you need to put that on the mid-mod. <laughs> yeah, you need to put that, all right, that on the mid-cast it. Facebook page. Yep. That'd be awesome. Yeah. The sit sitcom audiences get to know characters in weekly situation comedies, which rule this TV season. The Beverly Hillbillies is on top with a Lucy show close behind. Three pointer an international hoops tournament in Puerto Rico defines a three point line. It will be 17 years before the NBA adopts it, really? making Chamberlain's 100 point game this year even more impressive. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, Tiki Tacky and Turf Grass. Rutgers University develops top performing grasses such as Kentucky Bluegrass for golf courses, while well kept lawns symbolize post war. Very good. Is that it? Anything um, else? Yeah, I think more? so. All right. Well, Wilt the Stilt, Chamberlain, I met him when I was about uh, 10 years old. Wow. Uh, Lucky. Yeah. Where were was, you? That was when he was playing volleyball. I was uh, somewhere near Lake Tahoe, <laughs> if I remember right. Uh, but anyway. Wait, what? He was playing volleyball? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a big <laughs> volleyball phase after the NBA. And, I did uh, not know yeah, that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so anyway, movies amongst others in 2022. West Side Story. A little film called Spartacus. El Cid. A little movie that won the Oscar for Best Picture this year. Uh, it was brief. It was uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I think it was only about three and a half hours long, if I remember right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird and the most important movie of the year, 
Dr. No, James Bond. Yes. The Oscars were hosted by Bob Hope, and there was no political gibberish going on whatsoever, which was great. <laughs> uh, Friendship 7, Paula talked about Friendship 7 spacecraft launched in February. The Mercury ca- capsule carried astronaut John Glenn, who conducted the first orbit around the Earth by an American Glenn orbited the Earth three times. The Soviet Union had already done this. We did a whole episode, I think, or at least I did, on uh, the space race. Yuri Gagarin had had beat us to it. But we caught up and passed them. In the United States, on the land, there is the Cuban Missile Crisis going on, which went on for quite a while between uh, February and... November, if I'm not mistaken. So it was quite... Quite a while. I lost my note on that. So you're going to have to take my word for it. Meanwhile, there was a sexy blonde named Marilyn Monroe who serenaded President Kennedy on his birthday. Uh, Marilyn made her last public appearance, one of her last public appearances on May 19th at a birthday celebration for President John F. Kennedy. The event became an iconic moment in pop culture when the actress sang an intimate, sultry, and memorable rendition of Happy Birthday. Airy rendition. (laughs) Monroe wore an intricately, I can't say, intricately (laughs) designed, that word, uh, skin-tight beaded dress that was considered a little scandalous. Dude, I think that dress is still considered scandalous. I remember as an adult (laughs) man seeing that footage, and I was like, wait, what? What How did she get away with that? Uh, I mean, it's very nice, but... It's very nice. Very intricate. (laughs) (laughs) Intricately, yes, constructed in all the right places. Yes. Uh, The performance added to rumors that the two were having an affair, and I think uh, it's more than a rumor. I think it's pretty well established, but... Was it? Unfortunately, three months later, Monroe died of a drug overdose on August 5th, ruled a probable suicide under suspicious circumstances. Really? Under suspicious circumstances. Yes, very Mm -hmm. suspicious what's going on here. The U.S. Navy SEALs were created January 1st as the U.S. Navy's principal special operations force. The special force was in existence prior, dating back to World War II. Scouts and Raiders were formed, but... Uh, the underwater de- demolition team was basically what the basis of the Navy SEALs were based on, if that makes any sense, what I'm trying to say. Opening their stores this year, there are some big names. And um, I, I have to note here that my typing is so bad, it's OPNing their stores. Uh, <laughs> S.S. Kresge Corporation in Garden City, Michigan, opened a little shop called Kmart. A guy named Sam Walton in Bentonville, Arkansas, opened a little store called Walmart. Oh, my. And in Roseville, Minnesota, another little shop opened called Target. And I think if... Same year? Once we have our time machines, we'll go back and buy stock in all these companies if we can. I, I think Walmart's still owned privately by family, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my. But I may be. Uh, Also, a little hotel chain starts up in Santa Barbara, California on June 25th, 1962. Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. Yes. And in Downey, California, a guy named Glenn Bell opens a little taco shop called Taco Bell in Downey, (laughs) California. Taco is 19 cents. So you could get that. The oral polio vaccine is developed by Albert Sabin. Gives to millions of children. 
to combat polio. Uh, you could take it in a little sugar cube form yes. and be inoculated. Finally, rounding out the year in music, in musica. Number 10, Soldier Boy by the Shirelles. Number 9, The Twist by Chubby Checker. Number 8, Let Me In by the Sensations. Uh, number 7, The Locomotion by Little Eva. Number 6, Johnny Angel by Sheb- Shelley Fabrice. The Stripper that we heard already by David Rose. Number 4, Roses Are Red, My Love by Bobby Vinton. Number three, Mashed Potato Time. Or, yeah, that's right. And there was a whole dance that went with that. We were watching that very, very Peanuts-esque. You could, yes. You could see the Peanuts kids there. Number two, Can't Stop Loving You by Ray Charles. And the number one song, which you're never going to believe, Stranger on the Shore by Acker Bilk. Listen to this before we launch into Apollo's. Would you like to slow dance, so Paula? Sweet. When times were sweet. Very sweet. Ah, so orchestral. I know. Yeah. That's awesome. Pretty mellow here. Back All right. When elementary kids wow. knew what a clarinet was, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day. Does this go in your nose? Yeah. <laughs> Well, they hey. know because Squidward from SpongeBob plays one, oh, so it does help. <laughs> yes, sir. Craig, I have one bit of uh, trivia about that list you just read. Yeah. Um, do you guys know? I'm pretty sure. I don't. I'm. I'm pretty sure this is true. Do you guys know who wrote the locomotion? I no. do not. Yeah, believe it or not, it was Carol King. Oh, really? Oh yeah. my! Well, yeah. didn't she yeah. perform it a little later yeah. on? Uh, you know what? She may have. I thought she performed it also, yeah. oh, but I didn't know she wrote it, it. That's it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she wrote it. A talented lady, that Carol. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paula, here's Johnny. I can't say it very well. Timeless humor, snappy suits, that signature golf swing. It all belongs to Johnny Carson. And he started his 30-year gig hosting NBC's The Tonight Show on October 2nd, 1962. All right, let's see if you can guess some of these little... I got a little trivia game for you. Let's play a game, folks. (laughs) Number one, Carson's moniker as a young magician playing in the local Kiwanis Club in Norfolk. They say Norfolk, Nebraska, but I know better. It's pronounced Norfolk, Nebraska. My family is from there. What do you think that he was called? Oh, That's man. This is the what, hardest What was one. he called when he'd do his mind-reading thing with uh, Ed McMahon? <laughs> the Great Karnak or Karnak the Great? Yeah, yeah. Karnak it's the Great. Similar. It? Okay. It's the Great Carsoni. Ah, the Great Carsoni. Yeah. Okay, Carson took over The Tonight Show from this host. Oh, I know this. And I remember we, so it's ta- the guy- we talked about this. The guy who replaced Steve Allen, right? Correct. Yeah. And didn't he like, of course, I can remember what he did, but I can't remember his name. Ah. He, he stormed off set at one point, didn't he? Because he felt like he was being censored or something. Maybe. When I say it, you're going to go, oh, Jack Parr. Oh, Jack okay. Parr. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of right, course. Right. Yes. All right. Who is the leader of the Tonight Show band from 1967 to 92? Doc Severinsen. Of course. Yep. Good old Doc Severinsen. And remember in the... the 80s he always had like some crazy 
loud shirt on. Yeah. That's right. And Johnny would yeah. make fun of him. Wouldn't yeah, he? he would. That was fun. <laughs> yes. Um, more than 45 million viewers watched this guest's wedding to Miss Vicky in 1969. Oh, my Ms. goodness. Vicky. You know yes. this. Line. Captain Carl? You used to play no. this all the time on your other podcast. Uh, I know. I know. Uh Tiny Tim. Thank you. Oh! <laughs> yeah, he did that tiptoe through the tulip song. And my husband has an earlier podcast and he used to play to it. 2008 or something. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Um, the talk show host wears a feather turban to play this all knowing seer. You already said that. Great Karnak. Karnak, the magnificent. Ah, the magnificent. These exotic animal experts bring alligators, gorillas, and marmosets on the show. Or I'll say, name one of them, the main one. Oh, I can't remember their names, but I remember remember them bringing out all sorts of animals all the time. Joan Crawford. Uh, Joan... (laughs) I don't know. Joan Embry. There it is. Joan, Joan Embry and Jim Fowler. Jim, Jim Fowler. right. Yes, Jim yes. A gray wig and wire rim glasses transform Carson into this cranky older woman. I didn't know this one. Oh, no. I, I remember the shtick, but I don't remember. Her name was Aunt Blabby. <laughs> Aunt Blabby. Blabby, oh, wow. yes. And th- this I, is. You just got a new nickname. <laughs> you called that. <laughs> Be quiet. All right. This Tonight Show, um, this the Tonight Show's most frequent guest. He appeared more than 131 times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ed McMahon. And you talked about him already <laughs> on our program. Today? Mm-hmm. Oh. Just a little bit ago. Who? Bob Hope. Oh, I had no oh, idea. I had no really? idea. I would have never Me guessed either. that. And when a monologue joke fails, Carson pulls down the boom, and Mike, and says this. <laughs> Testing, one, two. <laughs> Something like that. He says, attention, Kmart shoppers. <laughs> All righty. So The Tonight Show, starring Tar- Johnny Carson, debuted on October 1st, as I said, and it went all the way till May 22nd, 1992. And um, Ed McMahon served as Johnny's sidekick and, and the show's announcer this whole time as well. And at the very beginning, the first decade, it was based at 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York. On, and in um, May of 1962, 72, sorry, it moved to Burbank and it remained there until Carson's retirement. So you know, it started in New York. I got a letter from Ed McMahon and it told me that I maybe won millions of dollars. <laughs> For our younger <laughs> listeners, yes. he used to. Uh, be the spokesmodel, spokesperson for <laughs> publishers, Clearinghouse right. Sweepstakes. Um, it was and, a personal letter, though, I could tell. It was very personal. Ah, it yeah. was. And the reason he <laughs> wanted to move to Burbank is because of uh, all the connections he had with Hollywood and Hollywood stars. So he said, we need to move this show to California. And mo- uh, many TV enthusiasts and many Tonight Show <laughs> enthusiasts considered the Johnny Carson years the best version of the show. Oh yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah. I would say would you? without a doubt, Jay yeah. Leno was good, but Johnny Carson. Yeah, was, but yeah. I, he was the Johnny standard. Was, I mean, he was the he deal. was, and yeah. it is ranked in many polls as one of the greatest TV shows of all time. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it established the modern format of the late night talk show. So you've got the monologue first with rapid fire series of 16 to 22 one liners. And Johnny always had a rule. No more, no more than three on the same subject. So move to, mm. to a new subject. No more th- than three lines. Um, then it had a sketch comedy. Then you had your guest interviews. And at the end, the performances by musicians and stand-up comedians. And that's kind of what we follow today. He, um, he caught, oh yeah. Um, and he was, uh, I wanted to also mention that he would not, the Tonight Show did not return to New York once he took it to Burbank, to California, until 2014. It is in New York now with Jimmy Fallon. Right. I'd forgotten. Right. So in 2014, right. yeah. when Jimmy Fallon took over, I'd like to read a little bit about what the negotiations were for that. So he took over as host and it went back to New York. Um, it never featured um, – it, I don't even know what I wrote. It never featured pop comedy. What the heck? It never featured um, comedy. Oh, props were like Gallagher oh. and oh, and yeah, all yeah. that. He used a bunch of props himself, Johnny would, but he would never ever have a comedian who did props. That, that was, was his about. rule. Wow. Yeah. And then so when the prop comedians would come, it's when he had guest hosts, huh. which he had frequently. Yeah. Um, hmm. And he never socialized with any guests before or after the show. He was a notorious introvert. Notorious, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had a, a very frequent guest, and Orson Welles. And he recalled that Tonight Show's employees were astonished because Johnny Carson did go to Wells' dressing room before the show once to say hello. And everybody was just freaked out. They couldn't believe it. And compared to Merv Griffith, Mike Douglas, Dick Cavett, who were popular hosts at that time, Carson was comparatively kind of a cool host. He Not cool in like, you're so cool, but his personality was rather cool. He only laughed when he was genuinely amused. And he would also abruptly cut short mon- like monotonous guests. He would cut them <laughs> and inept interviews if it wasn't going so well. All right, we're going to commercial he, Exactly. Now. Yeah. He would send a commercial <laughs> and then like somebody had a sign over by the monitor and then they all kind of descend on the commercial and kind of decide what was going wrong with huh. it to fix it. He wouldn't keep going with it. I think that's probably why the show was so good. And some of the um, guests um I can't remember. I think it was uh, who's the guy who played Beretta, the one who got in so much trouble. He, oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, he compared it to some of the celebrities compared going on the Tonight Show to facing the Death Squad or oh, like wow. Broadway on their opening night. Yeah. But the publicity <laughs> value for them was so great that they were willing to subject themselves to the oh, risk. Oh yeah, yeah. If you went on the Tonight Show, it was a big deal. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. He had a live band, and it was led at the beginning by Skitch Henderson. I love mm-hmm. that name, Skitch. Skitch Henderson. And he was the the band leader during the Steve Allen years. Then Milton Delug, Deluge Delug for a while, and Doc Severinsen came aboard in um, 1967 until um, Jay Leno took over. And then not, Tommy Newsom would fill in when Doc would be away. Remember Tom, Tom, yeah. Tommy Newsom? And then, or if Ed McMahon was gone, Tommy would fill in as the guest announcer as well. And when I was reading this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember all of this. And like I, um, we were talking about this, the theme was actually from a Paul Anka 
um, song, and Annette Funicello recorded it called It's Really Love. And this is kind of sad. The NBC Orchestra was the last in-house studio orchestra to perform on American television. That was it. And I was very surprised. Um, Fred Cordova, remember him? (laughs) <laughs> he would always like be in kind of he was the producer and uh, the tonight for the tonight show in 1970 but unlike a lot of people of his he became executive producer eventually people of his position he would like appear on the show which was highly unusual for those yeah, times yeah they'd like <clears throat> pardon me they'd show him standing back by a yeah. camera with a head like a headset Remember on that? yeah I they do. would banter yeah. 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 And right. sometimes he wouldn't be on camera, but you could kind of hear he talked to him and they do some banter. And occasionally the camera would like whip around and show him, but not a good shot. He was always kind of in this background <laughs> thing and it would point to his direction. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And then also the Tonight Show started out as an hour and a half at the beginning. It was on from 11 to it made many incarnations like it was on till one in the morning and then it was on. Um, then they changed it to starting at a, like instead of 1130, 1135 to have some in between times. And then Johnny in the 80s, it wasn't until the 80s that Johnny said, we need to make this in an out into an hour show. Huh. And then there was a time at the beginning where he was just on on the weekends, or maybe he was in addition to the weekdays. I wasn't sure if I read that it was in addition to the weekdays or just the weekends, but he did show Saturday and Sunday. And with Johnny Carson negotiated, he was a really powerful man, by the way, when I was reading this, he was like, now we're doing it this, you know, he was like getting his lawyers, he negotiated, he never just kind of let things go. And then he got it down to an hour and he could do more short little rap. He said, the pacing will be much better. And he was correct. And um, so with the the loss of the Tonight Show on the weekend, that was the advent of Saturday Night Live. They mm. took the realms to have that Saturday show. That's <laughs> when Saturday Night Live jumped in after the Tonight Show wasn't doing these Saturday, Sunday broadcasts or rebroadcasts. Um, and so I thought that was pretty interesting how that all kind of evolved and then going down to the hour they wanted more comedy and so we've got um, David Letterman coming in for the late show after that which is a staple so that all was Johnny Carson led all of that so yeah um, and I asked that Craig um, you had not seen it live you know because we grew up in the in the La La Land, but I did see his taping of Johnny Carson. And um, oh, wow. one thing I remember is uh, David Spade was the the act, <laughs> the comedy and the interviewer, interviewee before he was famous, before he did any mo- movies. He was just like this lowly stand up comedian who was incredibly funny. We just died. He comes out there and I remember he goes, hi, I'm David Spade. I'm 12. You know, he did. He looked like a 12 year old. Right. So I buy my clothes at the Gap. You know, he just made fun of himself. And then um, afterwards, my friends and I just kind of hung out in the parking lot and just kept hanging out and hanging out. And like Groupies. as soon as like everybody leaves, David Spade goes by in his Toyota. We're waving. Good show. <laughs> a little bit. Some more people coming at the very end. Here comes Johnny Carson in his convertible Corvette. We're like, great show, Johnny. So, hey, thanks. It was sort of like we're leaving from the office. You know, it's like, wait, we're at the Tonight oh, Show. Right, but it was like, right. okay, we're done with today's work. Bye, everybody. Right. So my, if you hang out, you can just say goodbye to the guests. <laughs> and at the end, Johnny 
Johnny Carson, which is like, wow, that was a very different time, I think. But it was an awful lot of fun. Yeah. And so, Paul, I'm curious. um, And I think this is a case with a lot of uh, shows like this. But, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I never probably figured it out. But they were the the tapings were in the early evening right correct like around seven so it wasn't like it was taped late at night it was taped in the afternoon afternoon in the afternoon and then it aired that evening correct yeah okay yeah but that was kind of a fun thing um that my it was with sisters i think it was either i was with one of my sisters i know and some friends from disneyland so we had a really good time doing that Cool, man. That's yeah. the thing about being on the West Coast. You have to get things out earlier because of the time differences and that sort of thing. And so a lot of people like doing programming from the East Coast because you can sleep in a little more. You know, you can do things a little later in Correct. the day. And the <laughs> West Coast won't catch up for three hours yet. So you can kind of yeah. do that sort of I thing. Still, I still get confused living here because I'm like – why isn't the Rose Parade on yet? Oh, yeah, because it's not going to air at, at 8 o'clock. I mean, I Because they're not doing it at 5 in the morning. I know. That's I'm why. like, wait a minute, you know, because and then I got I thought we were at we had a Super Bowl party this weekend. And I'm like, all right, we got to get ready for the afternoon. And Greg's, I asked, Greg's just like, we're not going to have the Super Bowl until like 630 Oh, you know, because I just <laughs> right. still, you know, I grew up a certain way and I think we're all on the same time the thing. Whole world. <laughs> uh, Mike Rowe did a really good episode on um, uh, his podcast, The Way I Heard the It. The Way I Heard It, yes. And uh, I'm trying to remember, was it about Johnny Carson or was it about Ed McMahon? I think it was about Johnny Carson. I thought Carson. it was both of them. <laughs> anyway, uh, he tells a story about how Johnny Carson was a comedian in a nightclub and he was flirting if I remember yes. the story right, he was kind of flirting with the wrong girl. That and, was, uh, yeah. it was kind of like this mob boss uh, that all of a sudden decided Johnny Carson needed to die. Oh, my and, goodness. Wow. <laughs> and Ed McMahon it. got him out of trouble. Uh, you know, Johnny's just a diminutive little guy, and Ed's a big, big guy. And uh, so I think that... I think Ed McMahon was kind of Johnny Carson's muscle for a long time and, and <laughs> kind of became his partner in a lot of ways. But yeah, wow. uh, it's a great story. Yeah, if you get a chance, listen to Mike Rose the way I heard it. And of course, Just listen there's, to it anyway. There's no way of telling you which one it is because he does it like a big mystery reveal at the end. So he doesn't say this one's about Johnny Carson or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, you have to watch the earlier episodes of the way I heard it because he doesn't do that anymore. But it, the earlier episodes, the 15 minute ones, you'll hear the, yeah. the mysteries. Right. So, are we done, Paula? Yeah. We'll how, do do you little, clo- how do you close the show? We'll do a little show. segue. Like this. <laughs> oh, and Doc Severinsen plays during the commercial, so you can oh, get a concert man. when you go see the taping. That's all. All right. Uh, I've got my golf club, and I'm swinging it over to Dave. <laughs> and did, didn't that McMahon always go like, Hey-o, Hey-o. or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot well, thank about you. that. All right. Hey-o. <clears throat> well, Paula, when you texted me and said we were going to be doing a 1962 time capsule, I didn't have to think too hard really? about uh, what topic I wanted to talk about a music genre, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, that is near and dear to me, bossa nova. Ah. 
Did, did you guys grow up listening to Boss Nova in your household? You know, oh. on occasion, but not much. So I'm you know, a big fan. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think I am more now as an adult than I was as a kid. But, you know, my parents had that giant um, console stereo and they had a couple of Bossa Nova records uh, that, that they would play. So in addition to inheriting their copy of Herb Alpert's Whipped Cream and Other Delights, I also have their copy of The Getz Gilberto LP from 1964. Um, and my parents played that that one a lot. So I think that's how I kind of developed a love for Bossa Nova. Even as a kid, I thought that Bossa Nova just sounded so cool. And on this particular LP, you've also got the sultry voice of Astru Gilberto mm-hmm. on two tracks. In addition, right? In addition to Getz's smooth saxophone. And, you know, my parents always had cocktail time in the early evening before Ooh. dinner. You know, you boys go out and play. We're going to have cocktail time. And, and <laughs> I love they, your parents. Yeah, right? And, um they would always put something on, on the stereo. And I, I guess I, I associate bossa Nova music with like sophisticated cocktail hour kind of people hanging out, yes. conversing and yes. just kind of chilling and relaxing. That that's kind of what I think of when I hear uh bossa Nova. So this LP, uh, the Getz Gilberto LP, was a huge success in 1964, but the record that kicked off the Bossa Nova craze in the U.S. was 1962's Jazz Samba by Stan Getz and guitar, uh, guitarist Charlie Bird, who also did the arrangements on this record. And we're going to hear a bit of the LP's most popular track, Desafinado. By the way, I think I mentioned it this, at the top of the hour. It is in the 20s here, blustery, and it's been snowing all day or sleeting, depending on what time it was. To me, this music is so evocative of like sunshine, warm weather, oh. lounging around a pool. It just kind of really makes me wish for spring <laughs> to arrive here in St. Louis. I'm, right? I'm so tired of it. The, gr- the so, girl from Ipanema should show up any moment. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> Grant my wishes. So, <clears throat> pardon me, a bit of background on this record. It is considered to be the first Bossa Nova record released by an American label in the States <gasps> on Verb Records. And it really introduced American record buyers to this new genre. Guitarist and arranger Charlie Bird first heard Bossa Nova during a tour of Brazil in 1961. Bird was a student, I learned this today for the first time, of Andres Segovia. Oh, wow. And wow. Yeah, right? And influenced by Django Reinhardt. Oh. Two, uh, two favorites of mine. Right, oh, yeah, man. Two, two uh, stellar guitarists. 
So Bird got a taste of touring outside the U.S. Uh, as a member of Woody Herman's band during a State Department-sponsored Goodwill tour of Europe. And uh, I also found in my research that other famous musicians on this tour included pianist Vince Guaraldi and Nat Adderley, who was the younger trumpet-playing brother of saxophonist Julian Cannonball Adderley. Mm-hmm. So he he got to jam with some really awesome musicians. Then in the late 50s, Bird was introduced to Brazilian music by a friend who was a radio host in Brazil at the time. After a spring 1961 diplomatic tour of South America, which included Brazil, Bird returned home and played uh, recordings that he had discovered by Joao Gilberto and Antonio Carlos Jobim for fellow musician Stan Getz. From there, aided by producer Creed Taylor at Verve Records, Bird and Taylor put together a group of musicians who had previously been on tour with Bird, and then uh, Stan Stan Getz was the featured uh, artist on that record. So they recorded it in February of 1962 in Washington, D.C., supposedly in a church because it had really awesome uh, uh, acoustics. And the LP was released in April of 62. By September, it had entered the Billboard pop album chart. And you guys ready for this? By March of 1963, it had moved to number one. Wow. So a, a jazz record at number one. And and it remained on the charts, not necessarily at, at the number one position, but it remained on the charts for 70 weeks. Holy cow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's, yeah, right. Um, and, and I think this one is overshadowed a little bit by that 1964 uh, Getz Gilberto release because... You know, that's the one that Astro Gilberto was on. She sang The Girl from Ipanema and whatever. But, I mean, this is really the one that that started all of that. So, two tracks from Jazz Samba, Desafinado, which we're hearing, and One Note Samba, were composed by Antonio Carlos Jobim, along with Newton Mendonca. Jobim, also known as Tom Jobim, is considered by many to be the primary force behind the creation of the bossa nova style. In collaboration with guitarist and vocalist Joao Gilberto, the two recorded their inaugural bossa nova record in 1958. Uh, um, And then a key event in making Jobim's music known to the English-speaking world was his collaborations with the American saxophonist Stan Getz. So it was, it was a really, you know, it was a really good matchup. Um, and then I already just, I just mentioned it, but his composition of the girl from Ipanema from the aforementioned 1964 Getz Gilberto LP has become one of the most recorded songs of all time. Hmm. But oh. I still think the original is the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jobim gifted us some truly great music. I, I always, you know, feel like if I'm having a kind of a crappy day and I just need a pick me up, I'll put on a, a Jobim record and all of a sudden everything seems right with the world. Um, it's such great stuff. So 
to wrap, <clears throat> pardon me, to wrap up today's episode, I thought it would be um, it would be nice to do a melody. I'm sorry, a medley of clips of some of Joe Beam's best known songs. Um, I put this together earlier today, and uh, you're going to hear about six clips. Uh, in order, the medley consists of one note samba, also from the Jazz Samba LP, 1962. Uh, the girl from Ipanema, Stan Getz and Joao Gilberto and Astru Gilberto from the Getz Gilberto LP, 1964. A song called Photograph by Astru Gilberto from the Astru Gilberto album, 1965. How Insensitive by Lalo Schifrin from his Piano Strings and Bossa Nova record, also 1962. Corcovado by Joao Gilberto from The Love, The Smile, and The Flower LP, 1960. And finally, Meditation by Joao Gilberto from the 1964 live album, Gets Gilberto 2. So everyone have a great week and enjoy these tunes as we head out. Stay swell, everybody. <laughs> Pour we'll yourself you a cocktail, time. too. Here we go. <laughs> ah. Not if you're driving. <laughs> Ela menina que vem que passa num doce balanço caminho do mar Moça do corpo dourado do sol de Ipanema O seu balançado é mais que um poema É a coisa mais linda que eu já vi passar Porque estou tão sozinho Ah, porque tudo é tão triste Ah, a beleza que existe A beleza que não é só minha Que também passa sozinha ah, se ela soubesse que quando ela passa O mundo sorrindo se enche de graça E fica mais lindo por causa do amor Tall and tan and young and lovely The girl from 
Pensar e ter tempo pra sonhar da janela, vence o corcovado, o redentor que lindo. Quero a vida sempre assim, com você perto de mim, até o apagar da velha chama. E eu que era triste. Descrente desse mundo Ao encontrar você Eu conheci O que é felicidade Meu amor 
Tudo isso se perder 